0: Today, ahead of its upcoming second season, we'll be discussing the television show Ted Lasso, and we'll be discussing the use of psychedelics in medicine. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the doctor of laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment and question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, in anticipation of the upcoming second season, we'll be discussing our thoughts on Ted Lasso, and we'll be discussing the use of psychedelics in medicine. But before we get started, Ali, I want to ask you something. I'm here, you're here, let's Let's do do it, it, man. I don't know if you saw last week, the Emmy nominations came out for television. And so I just, you know, I was curious what you thought, anything you liked, any big omissions that uh, you were worried about, didn't get nominated.
1: You know, on brand for this show, I was a little bit worried that Ted Lasso might not be nominated. I have nothing to worry about. Ted Lasso is right there. And then a, a bunch of stuff... You know, I, it makes me it makes me feel good about my to-do list, my to-do watch, or my, mm-hmm, my to-watch mm-hmm. list with, uh, you know, uh, The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever get to it, to be quite honest, but WandaVision mm-hmm. is on my, you know, to-watch. I was very surprised about The Mandalorian. I loved it. I didn't, you know, it seems a little more... Um, Niche, you know, it seems like it's really for a smaller subset of uh, of of nerds and and Star Wars, yeah. Star fans Wars is pretty small,
0: kind of stuff, small potatoes. Nobody's really heard of it. <laughs>
1: it's no, I know what you mean though. Dude, I women, know what it's like. The Mandalorian is still a smaller subset. I, I didn't know it got that much. Yeah, money. yeah. I don't know. Have you seen the boys? I have not seen the boys on my list, also on. Outstanding right. Drama Emmy nominated, and that's list, similar. Yeah. So there's a couple
0: things on these lists that are very kind of genre specific. So The Mandalorian, Sci-Fi, Lovecraft Country, which very interestingly, I watched the whole season, and it was canceled by HBO, and it has like some like 18 nominations, and it's not coming back. And it's it's a good, very good mm. acting in the show. You go to see all those actors have their careers boosted because it's amazing. A lot of them are nominated as well, but it's very interesting. And It's more of a horror show. And mm-hmm. The Boys, which is a superhero show, and it kind of skews the superhero genre. So yeah, I, I was happy with that. The Boys is great. Definitely should see it. And even the comedies like uh, Cobra Kai, uh, Hacks was nominated,
1: which... Very surprised to see. Acts, I'm so amazing, happy to yeah. see there. Uh, and so, yeah. Tell me about Emily in Paris, man. Very surprised to see the most brainless watching. The, I, I, I just... I mean I don't understand that show is it a show that's making fun of itself is there something meta going on or is it just like this is our show and I I mean cuz for me Ted Lasso which we're about to talk about was Emily in Paris times 10 in every way acting performing storytelling you know but same fish out of water literally crossing the same pond in a whole you know different world on the other side but just so it, I mean Emily in Paris We watched it, we enjoyed it, but it was pretty basic, and we knew that when we watched
0: it. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of think pieces about why Emily in Paris is nominated, whereas lots of things weren't nominated. There's this mini-series from Britain, Mm -hmm. Small Axe, which is supposed to be one of the most amazing. I haven't seen it. It's supposed to be absolutely amazing. Everyone's like, that wasn't nominated, but Emily in Paris was.
1: And is that AXE, Axe Body Spray, or Act One, Act Act Two?
0: AXE. And so yeah, it's, it's supposed to be very good. It's, it stars John Boyega from Star Wars and it's supposed to be an excellent miniseries. Mm-hmm. So again, there are some snubs. I also like the, uh, actor who plays, uh, Homelander in, um, The Boys. He was snubbed for best supporting actor. So there were a few kind of, kind of surprises, but there are stuff that's really good. WandaVision, as you said. Uh, and of course, uh, Mayor of East Town. Love that show. Of course, we got Kate Winslet. We got double nominations mm-hmm. for Gene Smart. She was nominated for mayor of Easttown and for hacks. So overall, yeah, I'm pretty happy with all this. Yeah,
1: good, good for you. And uh, you know, people who listen to this show would know that you're not happy that often. So this is good <laughs> for you. This works out well. Congratulations to you and your family. And sounds like a good uh, well, as a segue interestingly (laughs) ted lasso yes got
0: four of the actors are nominated for best supporting actor and two are nominated for best supporting actress so that show is cleaning up in the acting categories of course jason sudeikis as best actor i think he's probably going to win and but i don't know what they're Mm. going to do because it's 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 so many of their supporting actors are they going to split the vote or will one person get it uh so anyway looking forward to see what happens
1: that brings us into our our first uh, the first thing we're going to talk about and uh, I couldn't segue it better and it's also you know justification we feel like we're talking about the right show at the right time the funny thing about ted lasso if you've not seen ted lasso there were four networks that passed up on this show when it was pitched and we'll talk I know also if you have some background on on how this show was uh, you know mm-hmm. how it came to be but I never stopped thinking. Of it. Here in Canada, there's a show very popular in syndication now called Corner Gas. And I know you know the CBC, the national broadcaster, passed on it or offered something very low for it. And it went on to be picked up by another network, CTV, and was absolutely massive. And I'm sure CBC sometimes are like, you know, the hell were we thinking? And right now, there's four networks. Right now, as they look at these Emmy nominations especially thinking mm-hmm. what, what why the think? hell yeah. did we pass on this I don't know something wasn't uh, strong enough in the pitch meeting Well I yeah guess.
0: and so I wanted to ask you your thoughts about Ted Lasso kind of its developments and we were fortunate enough to get some screeners for the second season from Apple TV Plus we appreciate them uh great uh, organization getting those to us and so we'll talk a bit about you know what we thought about season 1 and then our our thoughts on season 2 in terms of the first episode or so but basically the plot of this Show is that Ted Lasso is this character, and so if you go back actually a bit, uh, just in terms of how this character was created, it was actually created by Jason Sudeikis as part of commercials for I believe NBC when they were going to be uh, showing some soccer, and so the idea was he would be like a football coach who doesn't understand soccer. Eventually, Jason Sudeikis' wife at the time, who was Olivia Wilde, said, "Oh, you should." look at turning this into an actual TV show. And so the plot of the show is uh, that Ted Lasso is this coach. He's a coach, college football coach in the U.S. He coaches at the Wichita State Shockers. Uh, which is a real team, by the way. And by the way, if you oh. ever want to go down a very weird rabbit hole uh, and somewhat inappropriate, look up the hand gesture for the Wichita State Shockers that all the fans do in the stands. Oh, man. And I think we we'll just probably <laughs> leave it at that. Anyway, so he goes to the to the UK and gets recruited there to coach a football team. And it's a bit strange because he doesn't understand football as in what the rest of the world calls football, which is soccer, right? And it wasn't a mistake. They purposely mm. recruited him, and you find out through the course of the first season what happens. And again, like, guys, the season's been out for a year. If you haven't seen it, we're going to have to kind of put up with some spoilers. Sorry. But ba- basically, it turns out he was—he went because he was having some troubles with his marriage, and uh, he was recruited there because the current owner of the team is actually the ex-wife of the old owner. And the old owner loved the team so much, and her plan was to sabotage it by hiring an incompetent coach
1: yeah. right through spite and pettiness and revenge she wanted to sink the one thing her ex-husband loved we meet the ex-husband he deserves nothing yeah, he deserves going. to have his uh his team uh, uh, sink uh, his 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 one his original love sink so this show is very interesting man i laughed i had tears in my eyes at certain times i laughed with tears in my eyes the show is everything i've ever wanted in a show on on the face of it it's like this is a crazy premise for a show this is so ridiculous and they maybe maybe that's the whole thing you know you set up with something that people's expectations start so low and then they really do a phenomenal job at, at at capturing the I don't know the the beauty of of human beings and and maybe also timing. You know we're in a pandemic, mm-hmm. and Jason Sudeikis's character Ted Lasso is an eternal mm-hmm. optimist, and maybe we need to see that. We need to see the challenges up against that, which he has you know of which he has plenty. Interesting thing is that Bill Lawrence, and if you know sitcoms and television, Bill Lawrence created yeah, Scrubs. A number of years ago, Bill Lawrence reached out to Jason Sudeikis and said, "I have a project with you in mind." And Jason Sudeikis goes, "No, I don't want to do that, but I want to do this thing, this idea, which was uh, which turned out to be Ted Lasso." And uh, Bill Lawrence is quoted as saying, "Okay, my ego was hurt for a second, and then I do I dove in, you know, and then eventually only the Apple executives bit, and I'm sure they themselves were like, oh Apple at the time, not a huge.'" You know, not hugely, you know, not on one of the main networks or platforms. And it's just exceeded everybody's expectations.
0: Yeah, and and it's funny because, as you said, Apple TV is a fledgling network. Uh, a lot of you, actually, if you've bought an Apple device in the past year, you probably have free uh, free subscription to Apple TV Plus. So so check it sure out. Do. And they spend lots sure of money. Do. They have Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell on the morning show. With I think Reese Witherspoon is on that. They have Jason Momoa with C. So they they have a lot of these high profile shows. And this one kind of snuck it under the radar and is by far the biggest hit. We just talked about the Emmy Awards is kind of sweeping the Emmy Awards. It won the Golden Globe for Jason Sudeikis as Best Actor. So, you know, it it really is the flagship of Apple TV. And it's interesting, some of the other kind of recruits. So uh, Jason Sudeikis approached Hannah Waddingham uh, to play the owner uh, of the AFC Richmond uh, football team, Rebecca Welton, who we said is the ex-wife of, of the old owner. And uh, she's primarily a theater actress, and she has an amazing voice, as you see in the first season. She uh, sings Let It Go at a karaoke bar, and but she had to be convinced to do the role. And uh, she's excellent. She's hilarious and uh, a great actress. And then it's funny, there's there's an interesting uh, story about when she had to sing Let It Go at this karaoke, because it's it's a very poignant scene, because she Everybody's celebrating. She's singing "Let It Go." The, the team is all having fun at the karaoke bar, but at the same time, basically, Ted Lasso has a nervous breakdown. You know, he leaves the karaoke bar and has a nervous breakdown, kind of with you know while the song is playing because his marriage is falling apart. And even though he's able to hold things together otherwise, his marriage is just is falling apart. The story is that uh, Jason. Pick the song, let it go, and then Hannah Waddingham was like, "This song is very difficult to sing. Like, I think we should pick another one." And he's like, "Okay, well, I think this is the perfect song. So if you could find a better song that suits you and this scene, uh, I'll, we'll do it." And
1: and your your character's yes, journey yes, yes. at the time yeah. in the season and based on you know the actual letting go that was required, not just for her yeah. but for him as well. And of course, she yeah. couldn't find yeah. any another song so uh she uh, so she said no you were absolutely right for yeah. better or for worse you're gonna have to hear that song in a karaoke version when you watch the show but the show gives you it creates such goodwill in the first half of that first season that even diehard haters of that song such as myself were like mm-hmm. this is fine
0: so I agree with you. So the positivity is, is I think, the key of this character. And I, you know, we're just so used to like, we've talked about this before, the anti-heroes on TV, negative uh, people, you know, Breaking Bad, kind of sarcastic main characters. And then to have this guy who exudes positivity and just a different way of looking at the world. And I, I liken it to Shits Creek. Shits Creek became a phenomenon during the pandemic. And the same thing happened with Ted Lasso. We just, we, as our Family, we just checked it out because my daughter likes soccer. We think Jason Sudeikis is funny. We like Scrubs. My wife and I love Scrubs, so we said let's check out a couple episodes. And in fact, there's minimal soccer playing in the actual uh, show. It, it, Not so, that much. but but it's right. the whole idea of this fish out of water and 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 having a positive positive attitude. Some great quotes, and a lot of these these are quotes that uh, Jason Sudeikis or Ted Lasso do. So one of them is there's a classic scene in the first. Season where Ted basically plays darts with the ex-owner, and he doesn't quite scam him, but it's more like the ex-owner of the team just assumed that Ted would suck at, at darts, and Ted is actually a very mm-hmm. good at darts. And then he said uh, he Ted Lasso quotes Walt Whitman where he says, "You know, be curious, not judgmental." And if you were more curious and not judgmental, you wouldn't have kind of fallen into this trap and and, and lost at darts. You know, in the pilot episode, someone asked Ted Lasso if he believes in ghosts, and he says he does. But more importantly, I think they need to believe in themselves.
1: That's a great pilot line, episode yes. line, because you really... Like, that. Th- this is the beauty of, like, writing and television. It, you know, it's no different from a, a stand-up comedian and their opening joke. That opening joke mm-hmm. needs to serve a lot of purposes. It needs to establish your voice, your tone, what kind of comic you are, and just introduce you to the audience. And I think that line really does something great in that regard, where you're like, oh, he's got this quirky sense of humor. He's got this, you know, um, almost contagious often contagious enthusiasm and optimism, and he also, you know, belief, belief, Belief in mm-hmm. self, belief in your self worth, and and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's so on brand. You don't even realize mm-hmm, it, right? At the but time. in hindsight, it's a perfect and, line,
0: right? And so it, it's interesting that he has this positivity, and I think Jason Sudeikis tries to exude this positivity too. If you read, there's a really good profile in GQ uh, that came out last week about Jason Sudeikis, and you know, he Jason tries to downplay like his parallels to Ted Lasso. But his friends will say, no, you actually are like this and you have to take more credit for being a positive influence in our lives and a positive person. But of course, mm-hmm. there's a bit of life imitating art, right? As you may have heard, Ali, in terms of Jason Sakes' his personal life and Ted
1: Lasso's personal life. Oh, you're going to give people the juice, huh? <laughs> the you're going to give them that extra lady, gossip. We need lady gossip,
0: gossip. Yeah. here. We'll have her on the show to help <laughs> yeah. us with this. But um, yeah, so... And, and, and to be fair, this happened afterwards, right? So he filmed the first season. It was released, uh, and it came out last summer, summer of 2020, and it was filmed in, like, 2019. But then in the fall of 2020, Olivia Wilde, his partner, uh, you know, basically – you said you know we should split up and it was found out you know as time goes on that it was um she's actually dating Harry Styles who she cast in in one of her movies which, because Olivia Wilde is quite a, a prolific director now I don't know if you've seen some of her movies she's really
1: great Harry Styles Whose concert in Toronto has been canceled? My daughter, um, you know, much to her own dismay, had to uh, had to. Oh, come she, to terms she told with you that while
0: her head was buried in a pillow in her bed, tears. Kind of, yeah. She's been waiting oh, two years my God. for this concert. Harry this Styles. Is, this is and I bet one, he's yeah. just off with Olivia Wilde somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. I bet your wife. Uh,
1: Thanks for nothing, so I bet your Harry. a big. Uh,
0: she's on the side of Jason Sudeikis and all this. My daughter? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Harry has caught me too many times at this point. <laughs> and uh, you know, but it, so it's it's not it's, it's it's I guess it's life imitating art, right? Not because it happened, happened afterwards. And so you know, who knows? Because uh, Jason Sudeikis, again in this GQ profile, he talks about how like, well, you know, I didn't write that with that in mind, but he needed a reason <laughs> why this football coach uh, from America would go to the U- UK. And he needed a reason, so he yeah. wove in that divorce thing. The the wife just wasn't in love with him anymore. It wasn't some big blowout or something like that. She just was, fell out of love with him, and and he was kind sure. of trying to escape this. And so uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Read the article and see what you guys think. I think Jason wonders if 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 some of, some of this subconsciously he he kind of had some inklings beforehand about what was going
1: on. He also, you know, while you dish gossip, I'll dish, you know, some, uh, some, some, some uh, I'll dish the wisdom that he has uh, espoused on um, divorce and splitting up. He was like, you know, because he's famously said, I don't know why mm-hmm. Olivia mm-hmm. Wilde left me, which sounds kind of sad. But also, you know, he, he was saying that every few months, you know, somebody goes, so what, what happened? What, what, what went wrong? And he goes, every, every few months, the more months I have away from the breakup. I I find myself having sort of more Mm -hmm. answers for that question. You know, after six months, you're like, oh, you know what? Well, we were doing the – and so I think distance from a relationship really helps give you that bird's eye view and helps you be like, oh, because, you know, like anything in life when you're so deep into it. You can't really step out and have that um, sort of healthy outlook on it. But anyway, hopefully he's in a better place. We wish Jason Sudeikis well. You know what? I wish Olivia Wilde well too. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I only don't wish Harry Styles well because I have to stay in solidarity with my 16-year-old. Now, before we dip out into our next, uh, our next subject we flip things around, we do have to talk about season two. As you said off the top, Apple TV, kind enough to give us screeners for uh, season two. Uh, notably, Norm Wilner. Norm Wilner is a movie and, and film critic out of Toronto, somebody I love and respect very much. And he said season two, in particular, episode four, is a, quote, goddamn miracle unquote I mean it's like uh, you know movie reviewers are having their heads blown by this uh, by this show now what did you what are your thoughts on season two and uh, not just the fourth episode obviously uh, yeah so let's
0: kind of recap where we are at the end of season one the team was relegated which I didn't really know because uh, everybody else in my family follows uh, uh, soccer but I don't so what happens mm-hmm. is in the Premier League if you don't do well enough, you will be relegated to basically one division below and then you have to struggle to get back up into the premier league and that's what happened and they lost because of one of their former players who was playing for Manchester City at the time Jamie Tart uh, scored the goal that sunk them down into and so this is them kind of going back but again you think that that would the the first season does not end on a sour note despite that because of all they achieved, and the season two does not begin on a sour note, because of all they've achieved as well, and it's kind of moving things forward with them, and as you see, when they start this season, they've basically tied every game. They haven't won, they haven't really lost, they just had Hmm. a string of ties, so they're trying to move themselves up, and something happens in the first episode, which I won't uh, spoil, but one of the players needs to see a Psychologist, uh, sports psychologist. So they bring in a sports psychologist played by Sarah Niles, and she has a very different kind of interaction with Ted Lasso. And it's, it's, it's amazing, right? Because, uh, they have to play Ted Lasso as not being adversarial to this other person, but this person is somewhat adversarial right. to him, and he has to kind of navigate It's really amazing. Uh, again, I won't, won't spoil too much from the other things, but we, we have, uh, an alter ego of Ted Lasso that shows up, uh, for some tough love in, in a future episode <laughs> um and we find out what happened with with Jamie Tart um who left Man City or ends up leaving Man City uh and and what happens with him and 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 uh, Roy Kent who was uh, the old captain of um AFC Richmond uh who ended up retiring at the end of uh, season one. Season and then, one. And then his kind of journey, what he does afterwards. And of course, um, he's involved with Keeley, who's uh, the influencer, uh, a, a fan favorite character played by Juno Temple. So we have all these things kind of going forward and again, what I, what I'm, uh, so impressed by this second season is, again, the positivity. Uh, again, there are some conflicts, especially with this new sports psychologist, but it's not like this is the crux of the season. It's just how are they going to move things forward, uh, for all of these. And then again, I won't get too much into detail, uh, but there is an episode that takes place at Christmas time, uh, which, which is, is so, and there's no, it doesn't take place anywhere near the football pitch. It's it's all off of that. And it's just kind of spending time with the different characters in different situations. And that's all I'll say about it. But that, that episode solidified mm. to me that this is such a perfect sitcom because it is, you just enjoy spending time with the characters. And if you can get, a uh, show to that point where the plot is less important than just spending time with these well-formed characters. It's amazing. So highly recommended. The second season. If you haven't seen the first one, just start right now. It will be a great binge for the summer. Start right
1: now, and and you know what? I I'm not always for binging. You know, when I think about shows like Ozark, when I think about shows like mm-hmm. Succession. Call My Agent, a French show. called Le Disposant. These are like my favorite shows out of the pandemic, and I'm happy we Mm. didn't binge them. You know, Le Disposant, maybe you can watch two in a row, but these are shows where so much happens, you need to sit and digest and appreciate as well. But Ted Lasso, and this doesn't take away anything from the show, is a supremely Mm. bingeable show. I mean, it just feels like you're watching a movie, a Mm -hmm. 10-part movie. And the episodes are 35 minutes each, 30 to 35. They're easily digestible. And um, yeah, it's Emily in Paris on steroids, uh, you know, and that's the way I looked at it. I just found it so amazingly consumable, but with so much more heart and great writing and performance. All right, so now we jump from Ted Lasso to this, you know, new arena of psychedelics in medicine. But there is a connection, and the connection is that Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Mm -hmm. Beard, and Jason Sudeikis took mushrooms one day. They had a day off in Amsterdam many years ago. And Hunt had recently become a devotee of, you know, European soccer or football. And uh, he, he was saying that, you know, they were in Europe and you this was like pre-streaming. So you couldn't just watch the Bulls or the Bears. He mentions that because they, they're both, you know, Chicago fans. Uh, So you had to watch soccer. And so soccer filled this void for him while he was in Europe. And he started preaching about this. And he says somewhere on that, that mushroom trip on that journey, uh, it, it allowed him to word vomit all these ideas about soccer. And his opinion is without that mushroom trip, there would be no Ted Lasso. So that alone suggests there are some benefits to psychedelics. Now, Uh, You're an evidence guy. You're always, you know, modern medicine, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I don't know what your feelings are about psychedelics. I imagine they're not positive, although a lot of positive exists. So let let me just talk to you about this. What is your what is your perspective on this? uh, Because I I saw, you know, Mm -hmm. I saw an article that uh, you know, Michael Pollan had said that the, 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 he called it the new science of yeah. psychedelics. So, can we convince you now, Asif, if, if they're calling it a science? So, uh,
0: this, yeah, I think you might be surprised at my take on this. But let's just
1: backtrack a second. You're high on mushrooms right now? <laughs> Why, likewise. that is surprising. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: yeah. I In fact, I didn't know a lot about this field beforehand. So I heard about it for a couple, like, you know, Jason Sudeikis in one of his interviews talks about Michael Pollan's book, which uh, came out a couple of years ago, uh, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. That's his long title. But uh, a lot of press a couple of years ago. And so um, I had kind of read some interviews. And then I had a colleague of mine who is um, a kind of an expert in, he's an expert in medical cannabis. Uh, and he's like, uh, I asked if, he's like, get ready because cannabis is nothing compared to what you're going to see with psychedelics. And this is a guy who's not just hype, he's he's goes by scientific evidence. He's like, get ready for this. Okay, and when you say colleague of yours, you're talking about a, a, a medical professional, a not somebody, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. no kidding. So uh, I said, oh, well, oh, wow, that's interesting. So he kind of pointed me to some resources.
1: And, and Wait a second, wait a second. So... It, this is with kids uh, as well. He's a pedi- So psychedelics will be working their way into point. the kid? Not yet. Well? This
0: is why I'm saying everybody's slow no. down. Okay. I think his okay. point was okay. he's not going to start prescribing this to everybody, every child he sees to like a one year old. But his he's like the evidence mm. and where this could possibly go, knowing how neurotransmitters work and knowing the potential and what the evidence has been showing to date. He's very I- enthusiastic about it.
1: And I think he was implying maybe even more so than cannabis. Okay, great. So, and by the way, if anybody's thinking we're going to talk about microdosing here, I have a lot of questions about microdosing. I've seen it used in a lot of people, you know, by a lot of people, particularly in uh, creative fields. That's going to be a separate yeah, episode. So, that would be so for another time. We're, we're not talking
0: about microdosing. And so, uh, so not. let's. Um, go back to, to, to um, some of the stuff. So if you look back, LSD was one of the first kind of hallucinogenics, which was synthesized from a grain fungus in 1938. It was from a chemist who was working for Sandoz, which is a Swiss pharmaceutical company. And he didn't really know what it was, and they thought, well, could this be something? Best thing And then what? Well, then accident, he accidentally, in quotation marks, ingested mm. it, which, I yes. mean, what? Oh. I've worked in a lab before, I would not accidentally ingest any but I guess it's
1: an accident. So, I, I mean, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess just the fact that it's called grain fungus <laughs> should have you, uh, you know, walking in the opposite right. direction of it. But anyway, this guy, I guess that's why he was in the pharmaceutical world, liked to treat himself like a lab as well. The human body is a lab, after all. It's good for him. So, Sandoz took some yeah, LSD. He had a very interesting, um, you know, day after he did that, and then he said there could be something on. Look, it was nineteen thirty-eight, buddy. The world, the, you know, the the, the world yeah. was a weird place. The Great Depression had just ended. Yeah. I mean, it was like uh, let the guy party. Well, yeah, him celebrate, I guess it was. I guess. Yeah,
0: it was almost World War Two. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe he was depressed about that. So right, so he ended up sending some samples to researchers and. People started looking at it, and then around that time, serotonin was discovered, and uh, LSD acts on the serotonergic system in the brain. And so now we're getting the idea of neurotransmitters. We're getting closer to antidepressants. So it was it was it was a, a very investigated drug at that time, and it helped us to kind of focus on you know how the brain functions, and. This, this is, is in the 50s, in the 50s now, right? yeah, And even the, the founder 50s, yeah. of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson, thought maybe it could be used to treat alcoholism. There's a lot of promise in that. And then your good buddy, <laughs> always your good buddy, Timothy Leary. Yes. Um, and oh, yeah. not Leary. Who's the comedian, Leary? Uh, Dennis Leary. Dennis yeah. Leary. No buddy. relation, I believe. Uh, we'll look at no it. Up. I don't think there's her, uh, um And so, you know... Timothy Leary was, you know, a Harvard psychology professor, right, for a few years, and but Timothy Leary he was talking about LSD, this is the psychedelic 60s, talking about psilocybin, which is the the ingredient in in these magic mushrooms that you're talking about. And and, and talking about like everybody should take it. And so then you got the embracing of LSD um, by the hippie generation, the counterculture. And then the backlash from the governments came, where they started to be outlawed. They did a, 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 an illegal substance. And and then that's kind of where things were left for many years. In the, by the 1970s, it's outlawed. The whole medical and scientific investigation of it kind of grinds to a halt, right? Uh, a lot of it is the propaganda from the government's. And I remember back-to-school back, back to school specials. Remember these back-to-school specials? I watched one. I, I, I thought it was LSD, but now if I'm recalling, it was probably Angel Dust, which is PCP. But I remember I get home at 4.30, I turn on a TV with no remote control. You got to go up to the TV, press the button, turn that little knob. Yeah. And I watched the after-school special. And this girl took PCP and jumped out of a second story window over high school. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible, these hallucinogenics. Because PCP acts as a hallucinogen, but it, it works a bit different. Differently than some of the other ones we're talking about, and I'm like, oh my god, this is horrible stuff. You would never want to take this.
1: Yeah, in your suburban Ottawa life, I mean, that must have been like, what's going on out there? What's happening? So I just think, you
0: know, that's my little microcosm of that. But you know, as a whole, it's kind of scared people. I think in general, and so it was kind of. Put to the to the wayside, and then at, over the past, say, twenty years or so, there have been kind of renewed interest, especially with regards to mental health. And this is what Michael Pollan talks a lot about in his book.
1: Right. This yeah. is what I've. Uh, if anyone's interested, Michael Pollan had a great interview on uh, on mm-hmm. Fresh Air talking about this, and then there's an article that he wrote in the New York Times. And he's uh, interviewed in the New York Times and in the Time
0: Magazine as well. And we'll, we'll put links to those, we'll, we'll try and find his fresh air um, interview as well. And uh, so basically, what he explains is that there is a kind of m- this network in our brain, network of connections called the default mode network. Okay. And that's kind of the default mode where things are kind of just going. Think of it as, as a super highway. Things are just kind of moving and moving and moving in there. But then you get stuck in these grooves, right? And what happens mm. with taking LSD, this is obviously a simplified explanation, but it's what we kind of understand that this default mode network drops away. And then you could f- picture like, then our consciousness goes down one level to this older, more primitive part of the brain. One that they say is analogous to a child's mind, where, you know, the feelings of individuality are fuzzier, but you have this openness, this, you know, learning, this wonder and awe about things mm-hmm. like a child sure, sure, would do. Sure, sure. And, and, that, and that's where things oh, kind man. of open up. So the idea is the reason why we're thinking about using it for mental health disorders is because when you have a fear, Right, and anxiety and fear, hmm. or you have OCD with obsessions. So you're stuck in this groove. How do you get out of this groove? I just think about like you're in a yeah. groove, and you have these huge walls on on either side of you, and you just got to go forward. There's no going around. You can't get over these walls. You just got to go forward. But if you can drop those walls down, then suddenly you can think about other pathways and other ways. You can go off road right, and other ways to get around once you're going on. So again, and. Over the years, there have been a few studies looking at depression, anxiety, OCD, and PTSD. But really, it's been the past few years that there's been actual solid scientific evidence, I'd say, in the past 10 years or so. So one study uh, that was done in around 2006, they looked at psilocybin and using it a high dose in what's called a psychotherapeutic setting, and I'll get into that in a second. And they found... uh, enduring positive mood changes in in, in in people. So that was kind of promising. And then um, another study that looked at what we call functional MRI, which looks at how the brain is working, uh, they found that um, psilocybin produced these meaningful alterations in brain function, especially of the default mode network. And then they feel that that means that it's almost creating an antidepressant effect because you're getting out of these grooves that you're stuck in patients with Mm depression. And in fact, there was a study that came out just this past year looking at patients with major depressive disorder. And it was a randomized trial published in JAMA Psychiatry, a very good journal. And basically, they found that a randomized trial of psilocybin in assisted therapy was very efficacious in producing an antidepressant effect in people with depression. And so... These are very promising studies.
1: Did you look at MDMA at all? Apparently, you know, for soldiers with PTSD. Yeah. So
0: MDMA works slightly differently than some of these hallucinogenics in terms of where it acts on the brain. But this is the idea is that uh, it's being studied for PTSD. You know, again, I think this evidence is all preliminary, uh, but there's been a lot
1: of talk about using it for PTSD. That's correct hmm Just the fact that you have a positive attitude about this, Asif, is blowing my mind. This is a trip itself. Who needs drugs? I just listen to Asif be positive about something, and that's my drug. Now, I'm sure people would be wondering, you know, how do I sign up for these trials? No, I don't know if they're wondering that. But some people might be. Uh, and, and also, I'm curious on how do these trials work? Do you, do you have to, you know, because there would be placebo mm-hmm, effect mm-hmm, as well, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, they would, they mm-hmm. would take, a, and, and, but also there would be people with actual depression that need to be called right, in. Right, exactly. Uh, for, or with the actual condition and then people without the condition. And I guess everyone has to be studied across right, the board. So, I mean,
0: obviously, the selection is important. What do you study? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it PTSD? So you need to select those people properly. The study we were talking about was mm. depression. And it needs to be a prescribed treatment. It's not, uh, you take uh, mushrooms and get back to us uh, later on and you don't know the dose and things like that. Right. So again, it's, it's kind of like we were talking about in the previous episode, the very first episode we did about cannabis, right? And you right. can't just start right. taking it on your own. And yeah, now I'm not depressed. Like it, it has to be very rigorous because that's the only way we're going to get to the scientific evidence to see if it really works. If you just have people taking it for no reason, we're in a different situation in Canada because hallucinogenics are still illegal, unlike cannabis. So people can self-medicate with cannabis whenever they want, um, but you can't do it with hallucinogenics. So that's actually a good thing because we'll hopefully be able to push things further with regards to the, 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 the medical evidence.
1: That said, I know a guy. If anybody needs something, I know a guy. Okay, so let's
0: go over the trials (laughs) about, let's (laughs) ignore that and go over the trials and how it works. So the first step is, there's four stages. Assessment, preparation, experience, and integration. So the assessment is determining if the person is suitable. So do they have any reasons to not try it? Maybe they have a history of psychosis or schizophrenia or bipolar. They're suggesting maybe those patients, it might not be as good of an idea. Do they have any medical conditions? Mm -hmm. Do they How any medications that could interact, right? So you make sure that that's all appropriate. Then you do this preparation phase. Usually it's the day before you give them the drug and they meet with a therapist. So this is very therapy intensive, right? It's not just doing it on your own, but you go over, um, educating people what a psychedelic experience is, how it can be challenging for people, if you are challenged or afraid during it, how you kind of go you know move forward, how do you get the most out of the experience? Okay, so they prep you for like a, a day ahead of time and then you come into the uh, psychedelic experience. So the way I picture it, I've obviously never done it, but like picture you go to the therapist's office, you lie down on the couch, put on uh eye shades earphones, they listen to a music compilation that has been prepared in advance, which could be whatever Mm -hmm. music the therapist wants, or if you think I have something that will help me kind of whatever, relax, calm down, access positive thoughts. They take psilocybin, and then it's like four to five hours of just lying there having the experience therapist
1: is kind of sounds like a bad trip for a lot of people to be quite honest like you're forced in a room to like you must listen to this you You must lie here i want to be free You don't want people
0: walking around on the street and getting into accidents or things like that so you're supervised therapist there but therapist isn't like talking to you the whole time and interrupting your your trip uh, so to speak
1: Hmm. they're there to (laughs) do you feel anything yet do you feel anything yet Shut up, therapist! So therapists. they're
0: just guiding you there. Uh, they can maybe hold your hand with permission, okay? You know, consent, mm-hmm. consent. Consent, was. yes, And of then, uh, yeah. but, yeah. The, you know, just, they're just there to kind of be there and supervise. And the next day, is called an integration session. So then you, the, you meet with a therapist again, and they talk you through the experience and to make sense of what happened, uh, and then they may use some of the more traditional methods of talk-based psychotherapy during that time to kind of help guide you and 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 help move you along this, you know, to try to improve and say depression or something like that. So that's basically what it is. And, and, uh, and like we said, in these studies that I've looked at is
1: this most recent study from 2021. It seems to work. I like this positive added. Now, of course I was a little bit, uh, Stunned at the beginning to hear you had a positive attitude about this, but now I get it because it is very, very scientific, it is very controlled, and it is as i said it's not uh it this is not by no means does this sound like recreational drug use at all. this is very much you know, and i think I think um what you're saying is this is people who have probably tried other methods for their depression or anxiety or whatever the case may be and they're in probably a pretty mm-hmm, bad them, place yeah. and so this is this winds up being yeah. beneficial so this is not like uh yeah again and if if you didn't listen to our cannabis episode you should but you know TLDR <laughs> uh do not self medicate with uh, with cannabis it it has to be controlled it has to be the exact same type and same strain and it has to be very, very much, you know, evidence-based and geared towards the condition you have, according to Dr. Asif Doja and many well, and, other doctors.
0: And that's what, what you see. I mean, they're prescribing the precise amount of psilocybin. It's not from your buddy on the street corner mm-hmm. that you happen to know who- uh, Sorry, <laughs> to Jeff. gave you this deal. So, so yeah. And if you look through the future, so again, just as you said about cannabis, This is all preliminary studies. It doesn't mean you go out, as you said, go out and do this on your own because you're depressed. Like, that's not what we're Mm -hmm. talking about. It's very prescribed. But I think physicians, and again, you're probably surprised I'm saying this, have to have an open mind about these things. And just because this has been vilified by- (laughs) What's the date? What's the time? I got to mark this down. But what we need to do for the future, I think, and these are planned, is head-to-head studies. Head-to-head this therapy with an antidepressant, a typical antidepressant. You know, Prozac, oh, yeah. Zoloft, uh, Escitalopram. Yeah, I think is the
1: study. It's the old Pepsi versus Coke challenge right. here, huh? Except so because much you don't want to just well, you and don't so want to just use benefits. a
0: placebo, right? You want to see how it works head to head. So th- those studies w- will be
1: coming, and we'll we'll see what it shows. Okay, so then uh, you know, based on what you just said, either. Pharma would be very much pushing against this because their anti-whatever anxiety drugs are now going to be replaced, potentially, if there's more evidence that the psychedelics help people than than the, um, you know, in a head-to-head comparison. If they lose out, that's a lot of money they lose out. or. Big Pharma is getting into psychedelics. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine that's there, there probably are certainly
0: There are companies already existing for sure, and you can look them up, that are yeah. ready for this. The Not getting these from like your buddy uh, Jeff on the street corner, but pharmaceutical grade hallucinogenics, you know the exact amount. And then they're waiting for these studies to be done, and then they'll say, yeah, we actually have it right here. Here is the pharmaceutical... Mm. Uh, Grade uh, psilocybin or LSD or whatever. Here you go, and and we're ready to go. There's, I mean, sure. there are companies that are already there. You just have to wait. As soon as these stu- sure. uh, studies are finalized, and they may be actually even. The ones supplying it for some of these studies, right? The, the, supplying the psilocybin. Sure, so sure.
1: so, and I, I imagine big companies are ready to also buy those of course, smaller of course, companies. That's, that's, I as, mean, that's yeah, how these guys will make money. money. So, so that's it business.
0: is what it is. Again, we've talked about uh, a or we will on, on subsequent episodes. You know, it's I think it's a necessary evil, but Pharma will get into this, and they, I'm sure they already have. You just haven't heard about it enough, but it will be coming up soon. Uh, so that's one thing is making these available, right? Once they're a drug, so that's that's... That's where the future is, the head-to-head studies making this more available to be prescribed. But the other problem is that was like a four-day intensive thing we just talked about, three or four days, right, of uh, the preparation, Mm. screening the right patients and having the experience and then kind of deconstructing it afterwards. That's very labor intensive. Right and and time intensive and if you're paying for that psychotherapist that's a lot of time and a lot of money so there the other thing that has to come out uh, for the future is how can that be simplified right how could that so you can still get the yeah. experience still get the benefits but in a way that's not as labor time uh, resource intensive so I think that's kind of for the future.
1: Okay. So that's our show for today. I hope it opened your mind. I hope it opened your mind like Asif's mind is now open. It was uh, wonderful to hear you talk like this. Asif, I have a question for you. Are you everyone's doctor? No, I am not. So please remember that although I'm a
0: doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only. And they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice.
1: Ali, do you have anything to mention before we get out of here? Uh, just my website, StandUpAli.com. Uh, some exciting things happening as our world opens up. And yeah, I'll have them listed there. And I've been lucky enough to be uh, you know, acting on a variety of shows. And, and, and you know, those will be coming out probably late fall or in the new year. And I'll let people know about those via the website.
0: And uh, reach out to us on social media, Dr. V. Comedian. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We're everywhere. And please reach out to us, Dr. V. Comedian at com. Happy to hear your ideas for future
1: episode suggestions. And the likes and the retweets and the subscribes yes. mean a lot to us. We'd really appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks that. for listening. Bye.